So today is one day to feed the world Sunday. So your pastor unpacks it as good as anybody to tell you what it means and what that looks like. So I'm here today to number one, say thank you and to challenge you and to also give you like a little kingdom stockholder report, if you will, of your investment and your trust that you've built with Convoy over the years, because this church is very generous to Convoy of Hope. And I want you to know that. And so today, the stories that I tell are your stories. And uh, I hope today that something kind of sneaks in there. And uh, so I want to get this out of the way right away. First of all, I'm just so happy to have my wife traveling with me. So I crisscross the country a lot. Today, it was nice. Last night, it was nice to wake up to drive over to Joplin from Ozark, Missouri where I live, have dinner with your lovely pastor and his wife. Give it up for your pastors and your leadership. You guys, you know, this church has kind of grown on me too, but I just wanted to get this out of the way because I always seem to be here on like Super Bowl Sunday and one day Sunday. So uh, I've had this conflict a lot since living in the 417 because I am a lifelong diehard 49er fan. Do not cut your giving down because of that. I just want to say... Yeah, so I remember as a kid going to Kizar Stadium for 20 bucks, you got a free lunch, and I got to watch Joe Montana throw the football. I remember them lining up on the sidelines, and us kids just walking down, high-fiving the entire starting lineup back in the day. You can't even get a parking pass for 50 bucks at Levi Stadium now, much less a ticket for 20, right? So... It's all kind of part of the deal. I have a divided house. We have Vikings fans, Chiefs fans, 49er fans, just a few of us left, and then Bronco fans in our family. So we're AFC heavy. Pray for us. May the best team win today. I I have my theories, but I'm not going to share them with you today. So (laughs) um, you have a rich history of generosity in this church to share the love and life of Jesus, not only with Joplin, Web City, this part of the world that you live in. And we know that around us, there's needs all around us. And so today, I'm going to take you on a journey, different places that we go, the things that we do, but uh, the focal point, part of what our our position is right now in just serving different countries on the continent of Africa, we're going to be talking about that a little bit. But this is why I get up every single day and do what I do, to not only bring glory to God and serve him with everything I have, but to provide and love and care because this is part of my legacy, this little tribe on this picture. So my wife uh, will be married 38 years in June. It's pretty amazing. And then I have three daughters, two son-in-laws. That's the way I get sons in our family. We have three granddaughters, and then I've got a son-in-law on deck. His name is Jake. I don't have a picture of Jake, but Annika, my youngest, got engaged just a few months back, November 1st. She will become Annika Young, and we love Jake. God's blessed our family with men that uh, love the Lord and love our girls, so that's my tribe. Then the G-babies, here it goes. Wilder on the left, then Hadley, and then Molly Jewell in the white hat. And Molly Jewell didn't come to take charge. She came to take over. So she's about that tall, and she has presence at the age of two. Don't, don't ask me how that is, but she's an influencer. She doesn't even know what social media is yet. Sorry, we go, Preston. All right, we were talking about that today. So at Convoy of Hope, we do a lot of things, but one of the main things we do is to show up and be Jesus with skin on disasters, U.S. and and international, to show up with food, water, critical supplies, emergency supplies, 
to serve in devastated areas that have been um, tornado or floods or fire, whatever it may be. So this is, these are some of the images uh, in disaster services. We're still working in Ukraine. It's our warehouse in Warsaw. This next slide is a picture of Maui on fire when our, we were already deployed on the ground. And uh, we've been serving in Lahaina, specifically Maui, for, for many, many months now, the aftermath. And then this is the former city of Lahaina. It is to ashes. It was reduced to rubble and ash, and we're still there helping rebuild all that uh, was devastated there. To kind of kick this off, I want to give you a few verses. The sweet, there is a sweet spot of God's heart. We know that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Amen? How many of you were lost, but now you are found? Say a good amen, all right? So if you're here today or you're watching online and you've never said, you know, I, I'm going to serve this God that these guys are talking I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to give my life to him. Please call on his name today. At the end of the service, you're going to have that chance. But during the service, you can do that right where you are to say, Lord, I want to know you. Because that is the starting point for everything that we do at Convoy of Hope. Really, the faith that fuels us, and then we see what God's doing. So here's a few verses to kick us off. It says, the righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. So as the people of God, we should be deeply concerned about those who have no voice, no representation, the weak, the vulnerable, the blind, the lame, the weak, the oppressed, the poor. All through Scripture, we see that God's God has a sweet spot in his heart for lost things and lost people, broken things and broken people. So if you've ever felt lost or broken or alone or least, you're in good company because that's who Jesus came for. He came for you. He came for me because he knew. And I love the worship team, and I wish they'd get more excited about the worship that they lead here, but it was like you guys just you know, worship God 110%. But something was said this morning, it was very revealing. Jesus came to make right everything that's wrong. He'll come to make it right, whatever it is. Well, check it out, Ezekiel 16, 49. Don't read this on your Monday morning devotions, but I'm warning you, this is a zinger of a verse, and it's there, so we probably should acknowledge it. This was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned, and they did not help the poor and needy. Everybody say, ouch. That is a verse that you don't hear. I, I've never heard a message preached on it. I thought God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for other sins, the sins that I heard about growing up. But a further, closer look at what provoked God in this community it was these three things, arrogance, gluttony, or being overfed, and apathy. And then it says the fourth one, they didn't help the poor and needy. So if you really want to tick God off, don't help the poor and needy. But if you really want God's favor, help the poor and needy. And and. Get those eyes to see what he's doing. And, uh, and I'm not an expert at this, but I will just tell you, there's, I have more mistakes than I do wins and fails than I do wins. But I will tell you that God will use you if you say every day, God, hey, use me today to serve and bless those around me. Deuteronomy 15, 10, and 11. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. So that's quite the promise for our giving today and, and through one day. 
There will always be someone in the land, some in the land who are poor. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. So one day to feed the world. It's very simply taking one day of your working year, average 240 days working days a year. Some work more. Many of you work more. Some work less. Taking one 240th of your year and say, today I am working or I am going to take my wage that I would make today. And I'm going to invest that into the poor and suffering, the least, the last, the lost and the lonely, and give them a chance through my one day offering. You're witnessing the power of hope where everyone has access to food, access to the gospel. And today you're making Super Bowl Sunday about the least and um, your one day is going to change their every day. So I want to thank you in advance for being part of this offering. And some of you do more than one day. Some of you, this may be your first time to give. So I just want to say thank you. We don't take it for granted at all at Convoy for your trust that, that, we've, that we have with you. Here's some of the beautiful kids that one day is serving and feeding. Uh, there's a natural disaster that happens every single day on the planet. There's 7.8 plus billion people. Every single day, 16,000 children perish because they don't have something good to eat. That's the equivalent of 40 jumbo jets falling out of the sky every day. If one plane fell out of the sky today, flags would be half-mast, the whole country would be called to prayer, we'd be on our knees. 40 a day. I just want that to do something to you because there is no reason why people right now today in our world should perish because they don't have good food to eat or water to drink. It's accessibility. We throw away more food than you can imagine on this earth every day. So accessibility, of course, we're dealing with governments that aren't so integrous or not integrous at all. We're dealing with, at times, churches that have gone through very difficult times in these developing nations, and then we're dealing with very tilted economies. They're not free market economies. Uh, but they are tilted to 1% or 2% of the wealthy in that country. And so there's a lot of problems. There are. But at the end of the day, no one has ever complained so far of the 533,000 kids we serve every day in 39 countries. It's like, hey, I wish this food was better. Or I wish this... There, there's not a speck of rice or a bean left on those plates. They, it is a, it's good stewardship. And we're giving these kids a chance. But... When your stomach aches, your head pounds, and your mind is in chaos, you just need something good to eat, and you need that moment of peace that you heard about this morning. So <clears throat> a mom told me in the, my last trip to El Salvador, she said, thank you for feeding our kids, but we don't want you feeding our grandkids. And it was very revealing to me that this mother knew something that many didn't think about. Like, we don't want to be dependent on you forever. And this mom, man, it moved me because I realized, Lord, if we do this right, we won't be feeding their grandkids. Amen? They'll be growing more and better food. They'll be making money to purchase food to feed their family. It's not a handout as much as it is a hand up to encouraging them to be sustainable and to, to do this themselves.
So at Convoy, we meet a lot of needs without creating, we try not to create a culture of dependency. And uh, here's some of the beautiful girls and women. I have a soft spot in my heart because I'm a girl dad, girl papa, all my girls. And I think of a lot of these girls that just don't have a chance, but they have a chance now. Um, one particular village in right outside of Kigali City, Rwanda, school of about 800 kids, boys and girls, um, junior and senior high. And at that time of the month, for these girls, they're missing for a week for their menstrual cycle because they don't have feminine hygiene products. Convoy of Hope decided we are going to turn that tide and, pre and prepare these dignity kits for these teenage girls that have all the supplies that they need. And guess what? No girl misses a day of school at that school anymore. And I'll just say it's not awkward for me to talk about that because these are very real things that are happening overseas. They're happening in places that where people just don't have that, that, uh, that extra or just the basic essentials to live. Farmers growing more and better food. Some of the beautiful farmers and agricultural specialists, they, it blows my mind the work that they do. Farmers that grow our food. Farmers that are growing food in these developing countries, studying, seeking, resourcing answers for to grow more and better food in many of these places. Um, we're just so proud of our farmers. And then finally, at the end of the day, these are some of the stats that you get to celebrate with us. So over, over the years, Destiny has grown up with Convoy, and Convoy's grown up with Destiny because you've invested and partnered and prayed with us. The outcomes on this sheet, it's kind of overwhelming. But don't let that fool you. Just think of the one person. The one person. Um, we'll go back to that little picture of Angelica holding the food. And I'm just going to tell you real quick. This, is, this little girl walked by me at the table. We were having a big uh, outreach that day, and there were thousands of people at this school in uh, Mediare, Nicaragua. And she came up to me, and she goes, take my picture. This has never happened to me anywhere I've traveled in the world. She just was like, just holding all of her food. And I took this picture and she, I went back to her table and brought the interpreter with me. I sat at the kid's table. I was in this little chair. And I said, hey, why did you want me to take a picture of you? She goes, I wanted, you, I wanted people to see how much food I have. And she said, I wanted them to know how thankful that I am for this food. And she said, I'm going to eat it all. And I said, I'm so, and they had their little water bottles and, you know, kids being kids at the table, just talking kids, eating food, chattering, making noise, what, what kids do. And I walked away from that table and I quickly realized those kids, those kids are like my kids. They're like your kids and they need something good to eat. They need strength and energy so they can dream and think of the possibilities of what God would use them to be and, and become. But more, more importantly, too, to be introduced to the love of Jesus and to associate compassion and kindness with the love of Jesus. Sometimes a hot meal is Jesus with skin on. Sometimes clean water in a village is a game changer. So these are some of the stats best number is thousands of people have come to know Jesus, but that's just a little about what you've been doing through Convoy of Hope. So we're going to transition. We're going to take you to the continent of Africa now. Africa is facing one of the worst 
crisis, the hung, hunger crisis the world has seen in 50 years. Uh, it's not on the newsreels a lot um, if you're paying attention and you see it every now and then, but don't feel bad if you're not because most people, this is not a point of conversation every day. It's dire. Convoy of Hope is launching the Africa Waits campaign to invest more resources in some of the world's most vulnerable communities. Check it out. sema asante kwa yale yote uliyotenda na kushukuru kwa ajili ya uhai na kushukuru kwa sababu ya hili shirika na kushukuru kwa ajili wafanyikazi wote wa hili shirika Mungu Baba tunaomba Roho Mtakatifu uweze kutufunika uweze kutuelekeza uweze kutuongoza tunaomba haya yote katika jina la Yesu tukiomba na tukiamini Amina The world sees famine God sees dormant seeds. Modernity sees poverty. God sees possibility. Humanity sees hunger. God sees resilience. Governments see plight. God sees dignity. Africa sees hope. God sees hope. Will you dare to see rightly challenging the definition of need? Will you risk your comfort to come alongside the common human experience? Will you let go of your assumptions to learn from the richness deposited within us all? Will you expose your heart to the substance of your tear? Hunger waits for no one. Violence waits for advocacy. Equality waits for empowerment. Children wait for help. Women wait to be seen. Barren ground waits for water. Brokenness waits for hope. Jesus waits to be made known. In obedience, we are partnering with the Lord. Africa waits for you. What are you waiting for? The late Timothy Keller said this, if you have money, power, and status today, it's largely due to A, the century and place in which you were born, or B, your talents and capacities and health, none of which you earned. In short, all of your resources are in the end, the gift of God. So wherever you may be today in life, um, peak of your career, starting out, finishing up college, high school, junior high, maybe you are a stay-at-home mom, <clears throat> you're working from home, Maybe you just started a new job, and, and things are interesting. Things are tough. Things are, are a little harder than they used to be. You're still a little post-COVID uh, raw, and, and yet at the same time, how the world has changed. God knows that you are here, and he sees you, and you are more important than you realize. I didn't say this in the first service, but man, I just, in between services, I just realized, God Please let everybody know today that's in the house that when you leave here, you can do this. You really can. God is asking all of us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And it, it's a beautiful thing when we come together and it doesn't matter who gets the credit, right? We want to give glory to God for all of this, but... There's a story in the Bible that I just wanted to use to kind of wrap up and, and bring a couple of points home. It's a story 
how uh, some religious professionals were trying to trick Jesus. I don't think it's wise to think you're ever going to trick God. Jesus, of course, uh, God in the flesh, uh, 100% man, 100% deity. And uh, so they came up to Jesus, and a lawyer stood up in Luke 10, 25, to put Jesus to the test. And he said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law, how do you read it? And the lawyer answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this, and you will live. But he, the lawyer, the religious professional, the scribe, said, I want to justify myself. He answered and said uh, to Jesus, excuse me, he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this, and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself, and he said to Jesus this question, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with this story. A man was going to down from Jerusalem to Jericho, very dangerous, dangerous journey to get there by foot or with a, a, a pack mule. And he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. They robbed him, stripped him, and beat him, left him on the side of the road. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Just get that. There was religious reasons why they, didn't, they just thought if he's dead, he can't touch anything that's dead. It would, he would be unclean. So they used a religious excuse to not show compassion or kindness. But a Levite, who is also kind of like one of the chief musicians and worship people, like uh, lead pastor goes the worship team. So a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him. He passed by on the other side. So, like, here's two religious professionals, people who are trained to care. Just like, yep, I'm not dealing with that. My, two, my three favorite words in this story are, but a Samaritan. Here comes a guy who has dealt with being marginalized and minimized and judged his entire life. He's a businessman. We, we know this from this story. He journeyed. He came to where he was, the Bible says, this Samaritan that we know as good. He saw him. He had compassion on him. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, poured his own oil and wine into his wounds. He set him on his own animal, his donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out money and gave to the innkeeper and said, take care of this guy. Whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. This business person was connected. He was serving God caring for people, but he had relationships with people. So this is interesting. This guy's entire day and 24 or 36 hours was turned on in because we know that he spent the night at the same inn. He got up the next day. He had to get on with things. But he said, make sure you take good care of this guy. If it overspends, you know, if he uses a lot of room service, we're going to have to have a talk. But if he overspends, I'm coming back to pay his bill. I, want, I hope for the best for this guy. Well, Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do 
the same. Go and do likewise. In other words, all of us are on a mission in this place to not only bring glory to God, provide for our families, live this life that God has called us to, but he's giving us another reason to have an eye on the other person around us, to spot those needs, to be there, to care, to show the love and life of Jesus. So the first thing he did, this good Samaritan, is he opened his eyes and he saw the need. For some of us today, it's kind of eye-opening, you know, when somebody like myself would come and show you all the pictures, and it's not all there to to make you cry or really to jump on your emotions. It's really there to tell you that there is a great need in the places that we're going. And if you want to be part of it, you have the opportunity to. But nobody twists your arm and says, if, you don't, if you're not part of that, then you're not a Christian. I'm not one of those guys. I just think if God's speaking to you and you're here and you're watching, that you can be part of the solution to help. The first question the priest and the Levite asked was, man, if I stop to help this guy, what's going to happen to me? They had a very self-centric view of, of their faith. But the good Samaritan flipped the question and said, if I don't help this man, what will happen to him? That's a good way to live your life every day. Unlike the priest and the, and the Levite, where it's like, man, what's going to happen to me if I get involved? And it's very selfish. But I think the Good Samaritan was like, man, this dude's in need. It is all hands on deck. I'm going to do what I can do. And he saved the man's life by reaching out. We know God loves the world. We know the average American hears the gospel preached the average of 1,400 times in their lifetime. So in North America, we get the opportunity to hear it. The clear presentation of Jesus 1,400 times when 42% of the earth hasn't even heard about him once. That does something to me because I get pretty picky about how I want to hear about Jesus the next time. And yet 42% of the earth hasn't heard that their sins could be forgiven or that they could be free from addiction and live a life of purpose. So God wants to open our eyes. God, and, and maybe you could open your eyes. You, you're going to step into this and say, man, if this is true, if these things are happening and the need is this great, then God, we've got to do something about this. So he opened his eyes. And here's some of those kids that are, I think, direct beneficiaries of what we're doing when we open our eyes. We get to serve a lot of these kids, a lot of these families. The Good Samaritan not only opened his eyes, he opened his heart. It says he had compassion on this guy. And I love that verse because it's like, I don't always feel it every time, you know. I don't, man. It's like, Lord, you know, I was on an a aircraft the other day and flying from the West Coast and back to Dallas. And a, a very inebriated man was in the row in front of me with his wife. And I think they'd just come back from some tropical location. And they were just like flip-flops and just like, whoa, you guys are going hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm sitting behind him, and he had uh, a lot to drink on the plane. And I'm just thinking, well, he's, I just got to get out of here. I got to go catch my next flight. And uh, he kind of got sideways in the aisle that we were all standing in because he thought everybody was crowding. 
So, you know, he put a push on one guy, which in turn pushed me, which in turn pushed me into another guy. So, like, the, the tension level in the cabin of that aircraft went zero to 99 in two seconds. And I thought, I just want to know who's going to cold cock the guy right now. Like, somebody just standing there was like, boop, he's all of a sudden on the ground. Because he probably deserved it. That was my flesh. I wasn't feeling too compassionate until I saw his wife who was looking at the ground and holding his arm because it looked like she's done this before with him. Too much to drink, out of control, getting all crazy. Yahoo. On the plane. And I thought, I don't want to get on the no-fly list today, Lord, but if I have to defend myself, he's going down. I may even say, in Jesus' name, before he hits the ground. (laughs) I'm just telling you guys, there are moments where it's like, God, you're going to have to love these people because I just, I'm not feeling it right now. (laughs) And God, God sometimes tells me, he's like, no, you're the reason I sent you there to show my love. And it's like, really? You what? And now you know a little, know little about what God's feeling when he sees us destroying our lives. And I'm just telling you that I, I was not feeling all the love in that moment. But, man, we got off the plane, and I, I felt so terrible for this lady. And I felt terrible for him as he, as he just kind of stumbled off. I could be real judgmental right now, but I, I know, but for the grace of God, you guys... What do you do when you see a need or an injustice or somebody out of control? Do you act more like the priest, the Levite, or the good Samaritan? Third and final, he opened his hands and he met the need. So um, he opened up his eyes, his heart, and his wallet. And he said, I'm going to be part of this. No one will remember the good Samaritan if he only had good intentions. Good intentions don't change the world. Even feeling sorry for people doesn't change the world. But having compassion with action does. That's how the world has changed. So every day we could ask the Lord, God, where do you want me to go and who do you want me to bless is a good way to live. The good Samaritan gave his eyes when he saw him. He gave his heart when he felt the need. The Good Samaritan gave his own donkey. It's like, for me, it'd be like, hey, jump in my truck. I'll take, you need a ride or something. And, and that's exactly, he, he disrupted his day. He gave his feet and walked alongside the man. He gave his hands when he cleaned and bandaged all of his wounds. He gave his time. He postponed his own schedule that day to help a brother in need. And finally, he gave his money when he paid for his stay. And the next day as well. So here's some of the kids in our program in Africa. And it's not the only country waiting, by the way. Africa's not the only country waiting. But it's what we're laser focused on at the moment right now. We, we won't wait to bring help and hope. And we're asking God to help us bring the good news around the world through showing compassion to these places. In Madagascar, the children at one particular school during lunchtime, many of the poor kids in Madagascar would eat boiled cassava root. Um, it's a very starchy food item in the country, and if you've ever eaten it, it's also a sign of extreme poverty in this particular place. 
So instead of eating with their other classmates, some of the children at one particular school would walk deep into the forest and eat their lunch privately. So nobody would see them eating cassava and then again, not only being undernourished, but bearing the shame of poverty. So at the end of the school, at the end of lunchtime, kids would just filter back in from the woods. Those were all the poor kids. They didn't have anything good to eat. So we saw this. We started providing meals at this school. These children no longer face the nutritional deficiency from a lack of food, or nor do they have to deal with the shame of the little food they had. Now, they now see that they are created in God's image, like everyone else, and they have a renewed sense of self-worth. Not one child runs off into the woods to eat cassava at the school anymore because they all sit at a table and they get a hot meal. And it's a moment in time that changed those kids' lives. For the past 30 years, Convoy has served as the innkeeper in the story of the Good Samaritan. We position ourselves to set up shop and provide an in for you to partner with. Destiny Church, you're the Good Samaritan. We are the innkeeper, and we have a partnership for the kingdom of God. We go places you may not go. We do things you may not do. But we're doing things you would do if you could, but it would cost you a lot more to do it. And your pastor so brilliantly talked about that after the first service today. And so I just want to say, while Jesus is the original Good Samaritan, today his church is the one whose heart is moved. And you see it. You feel it. And you open up your hearts and your hands and you respond to it. So I want to say thank you for what you've done. Here's a quote. Mother Teresa shared this with Hal Donaldson. Mother Teresa, <clears throat> uh, our, our president, Hal Donaldson, was in Calcutta, India, almost three decades ago now. And Mother Teresa sat down with, with Hal in her apartment and said, uh, Mr. Donaldson, what are you doing on behalf of the poor and suffering? And Hal thought it, it was probably not a good idea to lie to Mother Teresa. So he said, I'm not doing much of anything. And she said this, everyone can do something. And those words haunted Hal. He got on a plane, he flew back to America, and he said, God, I got to do something. So they loaded up the back of a pickup truck in Northern California, and they brought it out to migrant workers' families who they knew didn't have enough to eat. And it felt so good, they did it again. And that was the genesis of Convoy of Hope. That week, when they went out and said, man, we got to do something to serve the needs of people around the world, 42%. I hope, you, hope it's burned into your heart that 42% of the earth has not had an adequate presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today, if God's calling you, I pray that you have the courage to answer that call and to say, Lord, I will go. I will, I will. All of us are commissioned to be love and light in our world. But if God's placed a burden on your heart to say, man, God, I'm, I'm concerned about reaching people groups or, or going onto the mission field, I would encourage you to pursue that call. He's waiting for you.
I'm going to close with the Mathari Valley story, and your pastor is going to come. Now more than ever, Africa is waiting for us to put our compassion in action, and this church has been putting your compassion in action for a long time through one day. So I want to say thank you, and God bless you. Check out this story. This one is Madare, Madare Valley. Madare Valley is home of the poor. Madare has more than 500,000 children. Their parents have no income or source of money, so they are being left home, not going to school. Maybe their parents are bedridden, maybe they are affected with the HIV. The kids who their parents are drug addicts, those are poor of the poor. I need to do something for those kids. I want to change my community holistically. May God help me to be a lamb to make a change because I just believe that change starts with us. They are surviving on their own. No one to take care of them. No one to nurture them. No one to teach them. No one to train them. This is why we have uh, this program through taking the children to our school. We become father to them, counselor, guidance, and their protector. The school has already grown and was getting broken down. That time we could not even now provide food. We didn't have anybody to support us. You cannot teach a person with an empty stomach or they cannot concentrate. So now when the Convoy of Hope came in, it was like a dream. We have fruits, we have porridge, we have uh, uh, lunch, and also tomorrow they will come because they know that in school there is food, and when they stay at home there is no food. Convoy of Hope is like a petrol being put in a car. They are energizing me every day. But uh, we need to do more because in Madare, food alone could not give them a brighter future. We call it Changa. Some people have nicknamed it, kill me slowly. That Changa is made up of unclean water from Madare River. It's mixed with ethanol. They think that maybe taking alcohol is the only solution to make them now to forget about the problem that they are passing through. I grow when my father was drinking. It has been his habit when he's drunk, he come at home, he starts abusing us, starts screaming like a mad person. I think it was affecting his brain. Patrick was my neighbor, and one day he came and told me that there is an organization who want to mentor some girls. We just bring them together, we talk with them, we do the counseling. I never liked the way I was. I just see myself as a disappointment. 
But when I came to realize that I was made in God's image and likeness, this motivated me. Through this program, I'm empowered. I, I realized that I can become a better person and I can express myself. I would not like to see another child or another girl passing the same thing that I myself passed through. I have hope. It's like my dream is coming true. Out of thousands, millions of people here in Kenya, they knew that God has called us to come and be his vessels. Through these kids, I know that we were chosen out of many to present the kingdom of God.